And welcome to the sixth episode of Funk Podcast, a game development podcast by game developers. I'm Bradley Tolliver, and with me is Sean Noonan. Hi, yeah, I'm Sean Noonan, a freelance game and level designer, currently lead designer on Century. And I'm an uh, amateur hack fraud modder uh, working on a Half-Life 2 mod called Inhuman, which will be coming out hopefully in about a month or two, you know, depends. Uh, So... Today we're going to be talking, I think, a bit more about news than usual, but less, I guess, less news, more uh, conference-related stuff, because we've got uh, Gamescom, but more importantly, we've got Eek 3. So, Gamescom, I uh, I kind of hated this one. Uh, how, are you, how are you feeling about it? <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, hate's a bit of a strong word for it, but I've been a bit apathetic towards a lot of this sort of stuff in the last few years yeah i don't really need to be hyped by stuff so it's probably not for me um i usually know what i'm gonna want because i'm very rarely surprised by anything anymore not that's not that's not a terribly bad thing it's just the nature of having been playing games for over uh well well for for most of my life at this point and working in games he didn't want to say how old he is (laughs) and uh working in games for let's say uh 15 years officially yeah there's um there's this great clip you linked me of uh jeff gertzman reacting to a <laughs> lords of the fallen reboot trailer with uh fucking mother just like blasting through it it's just like yeah i, I feel am i wrong i feel like uh, for a bit it felt like we had marketing like figured out for games like like i feel like the like mid 2010s i don't remember e3 making me like cringe out of my skin or anything i don't know it almost feels like we've taken like a step back and i, I don't know who to blame um well the audience in some ways uh, you know because yeah maybe. marketing only works if you know it works like that th- they only take a certain approach if it actually sticks you know if something doesn't stick they don't keep just pitching the same thing they'll they'll change you know their approach so it obviously does work to some um measurable degree because they don't do anything without following metrics most marketing approaches and trailers and things uh they're all based on something that's measurable yeah of course uh, you know within within bigger companies obviously we're talking about gamescom but if we were talking about eek 3 at this point that would be very mm. different you know so i guess i'll ask uh, was there anything at gamescom that like had you interested um i think lies of p looked cool yeah I, that really took me off guard <laughs> yeah because uh, i'd heard separately that there was like a pinocchio thing gonna be there yeah and then i saw it and I, I think I was speaking to you at the time, and it sort of reminded me of a, a pitch that was going around for like a, a steampunk crackdown back in the day. Yeah. Which has sort of always been sitting in the back of my brain. It sort of reminded me of that, although that's obviously not an open world game. Lies of Pisa, well, it looks a hell of a lot like Bloodborne, which isn't a bad thing, really. Yeah, because apparently we're still not getting Bloodborne on PC anytime soon, or even... <laughs> On PlayStation 5 with better frame rate. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, there's enough space for more of those types of games. I know sometimes when a certain genre gets popular, you get this issue where people just start churning them out left, right, and center. And I don't think we're really getting that with Souls-like. So, I mean, there's obviously a few, but they're all different enough to kind of please the audience. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I feel like it's like we had some people kind of try to do it, and it feels like Neo was the only one that kind of like stuck with people. Like, there's others that I'm sure people like, but I feel like out of all the ones where it's like, I, I feel like I remember that name, and it's like, you know, something that got a sequel and all that. Or again, uh, Lords of the Fallen. How's that getting a re- How? Uh, I don't know. It's it's like once you got an IP, even when you're even when it's like failed, you're like, eh, let's just use the name. We got like Prey is the most extreme example. Yeah. But yeah, I heard Jeff say like a uh, Souls like Pinocchio, and um, full disclosure for the audience, I usually don't watch these things live. I usually find them miserable either way to like <laughs> sit through all the way. So usually. If if I'm watching it quote unquote live, what I'm doing is I'm playing a game, and like if I hear something mildly interesting, I'll like alt tab and see what it is. And so I hear that, and I'm like, "Excuse me, what?" So like I slam that alt tab, <laughs> uh, and I I'm like, "All right, what is what the fuck is this?" And I see like discount Timothy Chalamet fucking standing there in like Bloodborne world, and I, I just uh, I like I wanted to hate it, like everything felt like I should hate it, but I was just, I was so mesmerized and I couldn't help but think this kind of looks more interesting to me than Elden Ring ever did. Cause like I was getting more souls vibes from Elden Ring and I guess I could get into like balancing issues I have with those games in another podcast. <laughs> but I was like, I want more Bloodborne and less Dark Souls if that makes sense. And here I'm like, oh shit. It kind of reminded me of um, a past E3 where there were quite a few games where the protagonist had a strange arm. I don't know if you remember that year. Oh yeah, Devil May Cry Five paving the way. There was there was a bunch of them. Like uh, I'd probably mix them all up if I was trying to remember them. But you know stuff like Dark Sector, and then there's obviously the famous um, Bionic Commando where your arm is your wife. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> some other stuff. But, yeah, it was, it was quite interesting to see that that was kind of a. It seems to be a, quite a Japanese trope, actually, I've, I've noticed, um, to have like a strange arm. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's either possessed or has some special uh, power. Maybe because like it lets your protagonist be like really strong or crazy without having to like be buff. And it's like a design element you can possibly turn on or off, you know? That's a that's a pretty good point. That's probably uh, got something to do with it. Yeah. Like Nero D- DMC, he can still be kind of, you know, on the, on the skinnier end, but he's got this big fuck off arm that just like comes out whenever he needs it. Yeah. And you know, it's great. I love it. Oh man, I'm sorry. <laughs> Life is an arm thing. Like, uh, smack it. Like you touched <laughs> my brain directly for a second. Like I felt my mind touch the void. Um, yeah, I think that was the most exciting. I feel like there's like reveals that I'm supposed to be remembering that I'm just like not. Yeah, it was it was quite forgettable for me. Um, yeah, like there was, I remember like there was like a Dune trailer, and like I was like, whatever this is is about to either be really interesting or really boring, depending on what they say it is. And it's like MMO, and I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry to all MMO fans. I know there's an audience for that, but for sure, not me. Yeah, I, I'd have to see how they do the combat because the thing with like Dune is it's like it's all like a world where you can't really use like guns, you know? Like it's all like melee stuff and i'm like well like how does that play out here you know because you don't really have like as much room for like your, you know like your mages or whatever unless you're gonna have like a bunch of people playing as like the the bene Gesserit. i don't even know if you know anything about dude i'm one of the few people who liked the david lynch film oh okay okay so you, you basically yeah but yeah i don't know i i don't really look at that universe and think mmo but i guess i don't look at most universes and think mmo um 
they could have used the IP to make another good RTS again, you know? Yeah, RTS or, like, some kind of cool action game. I feel like I'd be down for, like, a like a, a Dune, like, Assassin's Creed kind of thing. You know what I mean? Where it's, like, you know, very melee-focused. You gotta get in close to kill dudes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm kind of done with that stuff. I mean, I don't play Assassin's Creed. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I don't mean Assassin's Creed specifically. I mean, you know, the sort of third-person action pseudo-open-world game. It's never going to stop. It's never stopping. It's like Sony's bread and butter. Yeah, yeah. But there's even there's even uh, there was one announced at Gamescom. Actually, I've forgotten what it's called now. I've forgotten what it was. It didn't impact me anyway. Mm. Uh, they did show off a uh, Callisto Protocol, which uh, I feel like I've seen enough of at this point. Yeah. Um, it's in this weird place where I feel like I'm more excited for it than like this Dead Space reboot because it, it kind of looks. More like what I've been looking for from the genre, and this kind of goes to like the balancing talk I'm going to get into later, where it's like, I feel like Dead Space is a, kind of a weirdly balanced game, where um, every every entry in the series, it feels like they kind of up the enemy speed a bit, and it kind of forced them to make every gun kind of mostly do the same job. Like, if your gun doesn't kind of stun enemies, it doesn't generally do a good job cutting their limbs off, Yeah, it's probably not like a really good, you know, it's not going to be a gun you want to use. But, like, this game, it looks like the enemies are a little bit more, you know, stompy rather than, like, in a full-on sprint. Uh, I'm hoping, like, you have different kinds of, like, damage types you can actually apply to stuff. I'm not super into the actual, like, style. I don't love the look of the enemies. They just kind of feel like your typical, like, mutant dude. And your your character feels like he's straight out of, like... There used to be this meme that would go around of all the uh, straight white male protagonists that were in every single one of these uh, action shooters. Yeah. Uh, and it was just like the same looking gruff white dude. And I feel like you could just put that guy right in there. Yeah, it just looked like... Um, like, imagine a game like Days Gone. I don't know if you remember that game. Oh, man, yeah. Imagine a game like that had a, a, a tacked-on two-player mode. The second player would be the lead character from um, Callisto Protocol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah just really really generic stuff and completely uninspired main character either. It's, a, it's a shame as well because it's an opportunity to you know do something interesting i think but yeah they haven't <laughs> yeah i don't know maybe, maybe they maybe they will maybe it'll be a customizable character or something yeah. who knows but it seems unlikely yeah, it's the thing i like about like dead space is you put once you put a helmet on them i feel like you can kind of get away with more like the audience can kind of like slot themselves onto the character yeah yeah totally and it's like yeah it's it's that's the thing i do like about dead space is i don't really feel like isaac clark i usually i feel like the guy in the suit until he starts taking it off every five seconds but you know yeah i thought the uh i thought the demo was pretty cool though the one they shown like uh oh yeah definitely it's always a little bit strange when you um when you're watching you know a, a, a developer play a game like that and try and show them on the back foot kind of thing, even though obviously the developer knows what's going on and they're trying to sort of engineer very specific scenarios. There was a bit where the players are uh, surrounded by like, these, I, guess, I don't even know what they are, like alien monster mutant things. Yeah. And the spine of a fan that's sort of spinning around and dicing stuff up. Yeah. And he dices uh, one of the dudes up and then the others he sort of just struggles with. It's like, why don't you just dice that one up as well and that one as well and then just keep doing that yeah i am a little curious like you could see that the sort of the player was sort of struggling to try and not do the most optimal approach that would just be the same thing every time and trying to make it look a bit more interesting i suppose that that's kind of how it came across it was like me looking behind the curtain a little bit there 
yeah, it was it was it was a bit strange because it it did take me out of the the video a little bit because I was thinking that. Yeah, but I don't know. Who knows? Maybe the uh, their ability to like throw guys like on a limited resource that just wasn't being shown very well. I don't know. Potentially, yeah. But you know what? I will give the game uh, is the protagonist isn't opening his goddamn mouth every five seconds, which is. Maybe something I should have made a little bit more clear when I was talking about what annoys me with game marketing. And it's it's kind of what's it's infecting games itself now. It's like game marketing used to have a lot of these like bits of reveals where like the character would just like not shut up. Mm-hmm. It's like really, really blatant. And uh, I think that the first one that really comes to my mind is uh, I want the latest Horizon game where like she is not giving the player information in that like reveal trailer. She's just talking. It's just every five seconds she's got to be like, whoa, that was a close one. Whoa, I better get a little, uh, get in the water. It's like, it doesn't feel like it's tutorializing or steering the player. It's just like a lot of whoa, 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 whoa. And there's some new, I think, shooter from Arcane or somebody where it's like a killing vampires or something. And again, like the character is just, oh, yeah, yeah. oh, gee, oh, Willikers, oh, boy. Every like five seconds while they have like a fucking purple shotgun with like some doodad hanging off of it. I'm supposed to believe they're also taking this uh, situation seriously. And now we've got like a Rick and Morty game. It's not Rick and Morty the game, but you know, it's uh, from just Royland. May as well be. <laughs> and you've got a gun who literally won't stop talking. And then like the boss is also talking at you. And I'm just like, oh, I, like, I don't want to hate on people who enjoy that kind of comedy or whatever. But it's like, I need... I need my alone time in my brain when I play games. <laughs> and I feel like when you talk at me like this, I can't, I don't get that alone time. I don't get that escapism. Did you watch the uncut clip from that uh, game? Yeah. Yeah. I watched like, I think five or 10 minutes of it. And I was just like, I, I don't know. It's like, it looks like if you just cut it to like pure gameplay, it kind of looks like something I might be into. It's like this kind of wacky, colorful game. You're hopping all over the place. You actually have to like dodge things and you know use different abilities to do things. Like that's on paper really exciting, but like the presentation, yeah, it's just not my thing. It's just it's just not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, visu- visually, it's quite nice. Yeah, it definitely has a nice style. It's more like the overall uh, wrapping of that humor is just sort of nonstop, and I know there is an audience for that, and they'll probably love it. But um, yeah, I, I think the, the full 25 minute clip works better than just showing the boss fight out of context like they did, which is kind of a bold move because you're basically hoping that people really, really love that humor. Otherwise, yeah. there's nothing else. It's like a very simple boss fight with quite... Because um, all it's really doing is it's showing the pistol in the player's right hand. Yeah. That's basically sort of shouting stuff at you. The knife in the left hand, which is what you use to sort of tether and move around this like ant boss thing. And she's got this weird mix where it sounds like she's just standing next to you through the whole fight rather than jumping around and shooting, going under the acid stuff. She's got real Bane from Dark Knight Rises mixing going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very odd. And yeah, like the, the 25 minute video was better. There's a game that recently got, um, I think it, it, it's it just come out of early access or something called, uh, is it called Adaka? Aka, oh, it's A-C-A. I'm going to have to leave you out here. <laughs> I'm sorry. <sighs> it's called Adaka or something. It's basically Half-Life 2, mm. but using, as far as I can tell, using the low poly um, asset pack that's been on, you know, Unity and UE4. You're going to force me to look this up on our break. What? I have not heard of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, have a look. Uh, yeah, it's essentially a sort of low-poly Half-Life 2, 
and I, I watched some videos of it quite recently and I was quite interested in it because it, it plays in a way that Half-Life 2 plays that you don't really get in games anymore and that high on life game sort of was like that as well. Yeah, you know, you got a point there, yeah. If you strip out all of that, you know, the over-the-top humour and the fact that there's a lot of, like, gags in it, you know, especially um, dialogue-based gags, it sort of plays like games that don't exist anymore, and I kind of like that. That's why when I sent you the link to it uh, earlier, I I mentioned that I think this is probably the perfect Game Pass game. (laughs) A linear sort of uh, shooter, maybe there's some, uh, you know, forks in the road or something, but mostly linear sort of old school shooter in a way yeah definitely um i'm honestly trying to think is there anything else revealed at game time that you care about i feel i feel bad i'm like uh i had a list up somewhere and i can i, I lost it and i'm just like I, I don't i i don't know if anyone really cares this is kind of like the thing i, I feel like it kind of came and went um there was a game showing a game scum but i don't think we really need to get into all of that yeah, I I really don't know. Like, uh, there wasn't really a huge amount that I came away from. Like, it really was just like oddly high on life, lies of P, and uh, the Lords of the Fallen because of the trailer being ridiculous. All right, then moving on. Uh, I guess we could get into like what we've been kind of working on lately. So I'm in the polishing phase of my project uh, in Human. So I'm I'm mostly just getting like the last few little level bits, like, you know, playing the way I want and looking better. Uh, and also kind of examining if there's anything left with like kind of the, the way the game plays that um, needs to be tweaked. Uh, how, how are you feeling so far with your work? Um, right now, I'm kind of all over the place. Mm. Mostly working on UI. <laughs> um, you know, the whole, well, I say UI, I mean UX. I mean, the whole... Um, flow of the game like how you how you start the game how right you play through a mission and how you exit that mission you know and how you get subsequent ones so how are you feeling like with like the moment to moment gameplay i guess is my question ah okay so yeah the moment to moment stuff i mean that's that that is actually affected by the ux stuff because you know there's a lot of things like um we have these dispensers on the wall that you can kind of place and you have to use them. So that obviously means I have to kind of come up with a, a visual language for how they work and whether or not there's a prompt that is customized to the keyboard and all that kind of stuff. So I've got to kind of work out all those things. But um, yeah, the, the combat's starting to come together quite well. We've had to re-review a bunch of different archetypes just as the game's been evolving. So some of the first stuff to go in the game is kind of feeling a bit creaky and old now. So we're kind of having to rework that. Some visual stuff as well. It's been just uh, just jumping between different issues at the moment there's there's no real um specific focus outside of ux because we're just sort of firefighting to try and get a demo together essentially a vertical slice right so we can kind of find what the best aspects of the game are and like sort of focus on those and then maybe like focus less on the, the other stuff once the game comes together you'll kind of have a better idea overall yeah let me uh, ask you some questions then because i'm curious because you've been on pretty much every end of game development at this point you've been there for like the early concept stuff you're yeah. working on something that's like still pretty work in progress you've shipped a decent number of titles uh when do you think your game balancing is like done like do you think like if for any project you were working on you're given like another six months or three months whatever do you think you go back to trying to like tweak the balance on things or do you think you you just kind of like stick with what you've solidified. Like, well, when when do you decide to make that decision? Balance happens so close to the end; it's not even funny. Sometimes it can be worrying that things don't feel right, 
because you're going through so much of the project where things just feel like this should be easier or this doesn't feel right. You know, like it can sometimes come really late. Like um, last project I was on Gears Tactics, the balance in that was just all over the place throughout the project. It just kept changing. The focus was always changing because we were still trying to work out what the game was. That's kind of the problem with what's essentially a new IP. You're always going to get problems like that because you're not building upon something that already exists. I know the Gears universe exists, but that game specifically didn't. Yeah, the the strategy, turn-based strategy version, very new thing. So I guess, like, when do you feel like you've hit that point where you're like, oh, this is actually, like, what I wanted? Is it like a... Is there like sort of like a design doc where you look back or you, you write up maybe towards the end where you're like, okay, this is like our mission statement. This is like the gameplay loop we want. Are we getting that loop? Or, you know, kind of walk me through it. I'm curious. Documents are basically irrelevant towards the end of the project, I found. Smaller content ones are good for QA to kind of use as guidelines, but usually they're out of date. And that's happened in all studios I've worked at. It's usually down to um, reviews with stakeholders. So everyone gets together, looks at the build and reviews it, gives feedback, tasks are built from there. And just that's pretty much how the game comes together at the end. You just, everyone needs to see the game being played. Everyone playing the game would be useful. That's not always a reality, but yeah, it's usually a lot of people in a room watching somebody play the game, somebody fresh, hopefully, and then seeing if they're getting the experience that each of the individual stakeholders wants. Yeah, that makes sense because I'm I'm uh, working towards a uh, a build for a bunch of new players to uh, test out like the kind of tutorial elements and all that stuff. So yeah, I guess that's a good thing to keep in mind that I don't need to panic too bad. No, I just worry that like if there's something I end up not liking, it's gonna like make me want to delay release further. But I guess we'll see. I guess it's like I know the game functions the way I want it to. It's just sort of like is the player getting the right experience out of that? But yeah, that's uh, definitely useful to keep in mind. Um, I'm kind of curious what else I should be asking here. I guess there's like lots of little things when you're working on a project like this. So I guess for anyone who doesn't know, it's a Half-Life 2 project where basically everything's been kind of like touched up or redone. The AI acts pretty different. The uh, weapons have all been like rebalanced. So I'm going for like a very intentional kind of game is the way I always put it. Like I want the player to think about what they're doing. They want to position themselves in better places to get the drop on the enemy. They want to, you know, be able to get the most out of whatever weapon they're trying to use at a certain range, uh, rather than just kind of, you know, doing whatever and running towards their enemy, which I think is kind of an issue in uh, Half-Life 2. So I guess, um, I guess one of the big things I'm, like, dealing with lately is I'm not sure how I feel about, like, the time to kill, because... There's like a weird thing that happens where like if you get too good at your game, which you will if you're a developer, you know, you're the one who's most comfortable with it. Hmm. There's like parts that can feel like they're too easy, even though they're not necessarily too easy for like new players. And that new player experience is arguably far more important. But I still want the game to have legs, you know, like I want the game to push back the right amount on like a, a replay. And I, I'm just, I'm not sure how to get like that balance when it comes to like time to kill, for instance. So like simple example being um, like the player starts with a pistol, right? And if you're good at landing headshots, uh, you can kill your average uh, starting grunt dude pretty easily. But if you're not, it would theoretically be pretty tedious, especially like with uh, damage scaling and all that. 
And I was thinking, okay, well, if I want to like change the time to kill to be like a little slower for like my sake, if I'm finding it too easy to just kind of like shoot them before they get a chance to uh, show off what they can do, I would have to like raise their health, which would only kind of mitigate how fast they die from headshots, uh, which is a 2x uh, multiplier, but it would really hurt like body shot damage. Like if players are having trouble landing those headshots, they're going to really take be taking their time killing dudes to a point where they might start to complain about it and it's kind of eh, i don't know it's 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 bothering me that's why you need testers right mm-hmm. yeah so i don't know i don't know where you if you have any preferences though like where you fall on that like when it comes to like shooter time to kill stuff i, th- I know you've told me you don't really love bullet sponge enemies yeah so for me it depends on the experience of the game that you want to give right like so- some games you do want things to be a bit spongier the game i'm working on now century the enemies will be spongier than i'm usually comfortable with in the shooter Mm. because they need to be for the type of game it is combat doesn't need to be just the player's um influence the the combat comes from what the players added to the level as well so when they place turrets and traps and stuff like that yeah that must be a nightmare all of those deployables and stuff will be ways that players will play differently it's not like they'll all have to play that way it just it will make your life easier well probably i'm assuming we'll have some kind of challenges where if you manage to finish a level without deployables you'll get some kind of bonus maybe i it's different in this game because of that like because we have deployables we need to have slightly higher time to kill otherwise they would be irrelevant whereas when i'm playing something more like a like i don't know an old school shooter um that's the sort of thing where I would like almost set amount of um, hits per enemy, like based on the weapon and stuff. It's the sort of thing I, I want the player to learn. Um, and then when you go to more realistic stuff, that's where you start like, you know, enemies should be dead fast because, you know, it's realistic. Yeah, I'm in a weird place because it's like I'm trying to create, I guess we could call it like the modern equivalent of the um, Half-Life 1 combat loop. Because a lot of people, and I think rightly so, gesture towards the soldiers in Half-Life 1 being like a lot tougher and like more interesting to fight than something like the Half-Life 2 combine. Yeah. But I think a big part of that is the fact that like they're tanky and you know, when you shoot at them, they don't stop shooting. They might run away after they're done shooting, but like they don't stop shooting in that moment. And you know, I, I see people praise that, but I've also seen people bounce off of it completely. Like I think you can see that in the no clip documentary where it's like they're talking about the game being like a little dated or something. Like a dude's <laughs> just like unloading on a soldier with like an MP5, and the soldier's just like shooting back, and they're both just like losing health until one dies. Yeah, I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was in no clip talk. I, I de- but I've definitely seen stuff like that where people are like, "Yeah, Half Life's pretty good, but I don't know, combat's kind of clunky." Because like they just the game did not demand that they learn there's a better way to beat those soldiers. Because yeah, you can get through the game playing like that in a lot of instances. You will have a hard time later on but i think that's an issue for players where it's like if if they kind of get through the game playing badly for long enough it's going to be rougher for them to kind of come to terms with oh no i need to get better once they get to like like that midpoint and so i've tried to avoid that like i'm like i really don't want players just trading fire with dudes and thinking like oh that's how the game works and i'm trying to think well like how how do i get that same experience without just like make one making them damage sponges and you know two I don't really have any budget to like get like new animations. So it's like figuring out ways for them to telegraph when the player's in danger is kind of, I guess the other issue. As soon as we went towards the route where we were allowing for the extra damage from deployables, it became quite obvious that we needed health bars. And it was something I really, really fought against 
internally. The rest of the team were okay with it. I hate the idea of health bars, but the game needs them. And it was one of those things where I really had to kind of... Yeah, I would agree. ...get over myself to be able to actually get those in because I I just really didn't want to see them all over the screen. And we're going to do what we can to kind of minimise the noise. But they they were needed to make that combat work. And as soon as they went in, um, with a few nice little treatments, like when the enemies are hit, it shows initially the actual cost of that hit, you know, the the damage applied. So it goes white for a second and then depletes, you know, like a fighting game kind of thing. That sort of stuff is quite nice. Um, so you get some like nice visual flair from things. But it was something that I sort of was really, really reluctant to add. But it made a huge difference when that went in. It meant things didn't feel frustrating to fight because at first we had damage reactions to pretty much everything. Every time you shot an enemy, they'd react in some way. And then you, if you shot them again, they'd probably be dead. So it always felt really punchy and nice. But it wasn't really playing to the strengths of the game. Because as soon as we needed these deployables in, the health had to go up. And you can't just keep making loads of these damage reactions. Yeah, they just keep flinching and staggering. <laughs> Even if you were to do that, you're not going to get the same level of satisfaction from the kill itself because you've had to stagger so many times to get there. So yeah, that was that was something we had to do. We had like basically health bars solved our problems. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it's like the player has kind of something like they, they, they're kind of working towards the end of that bar. So like the way they kind of internalize it is different. Yeah, and they, they can learn yeah. how fast uh, certain weapons work on certain enemies and stuff. Yeah, yeah. In this case, it's like, I think I, I'm pretty happy with like how enemies look like when they flinch and how they react to damage. I almost wonder... Would I be able to get away with them being a little tankier uh, and like a little harder to kill? Like just not just uh, in terms of how much damage they take, but like how how do they react to damage? Like do they kind of run away more in certain circumstances? I almost wonder if I'd if I'd feel better about turning that health up if they also had just like a couple more dramatic reactions to damage at like certain stages of their health or something like that to kind of give the player like an indication of how well they're doing like if you kind of like headshot a guy and he's early on maybe he like kind of cowers and runs away for a second stuff like that yeah yeah i don't know it's uh it's definitely something i'm going to be grappling with for a while yeah probably through through to the end of the project honestly yeah i mean we're closing in on the end and that, that'll be something interesting to talk about because this is um my first legitimate like ship thing i mean i guess it's not the whole project either i have one other thing i shipped but it felt very unfinished to me i'm not happy with how it shipped i don't feel like i it learned how to ship a game with it. This feel, it's more of like a coherent package. It's still like the first like half or two thirds of like the entire, I guess you could say story, but like it'll be, you know, a whole thing. Like if for whatever reason I had to completely step off of it, I'll be happy with what we have. And so it's it's definitely definitely been interesting learning how to like ship a game. That's something I think we should probably talk about. Uh, whenever, whenever I get it done, that's definitely would be a good podcast episode. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay. So Eek Three, you wanna you wanna get into this Eek Three stuff? Yeah. Okay. So Eek Three, uh, I thought this was the best one so far. I've watched all of them. The others, I definitely I kind of skimmed through a little bit more. I don't know if it was just the games. I feel like the games definitely had a big point part of it. I'm not the biggest fan of the actual in between bits. They're cute, like I get it, but I'm not I'm not the biggest fan. But at least they feel genuine. And you know what? The whole thing takes a hell of a lot less time than uh, the goddamn Jeff Awards or Jeff Con or any of that stuff. Yeah. Um. So I'm just I got I got a whole list of stuff I found interesting. I don't know if you did. I don't want to name names necessarily. Cause I don't want to make anyone feel bad. But there's like a couple where it felt like they're taking themselves 
deadly seriously, but like they still look like something that was probably going to be able to run at like 60 frames per second on a Nintendo 64, <laughs> you know? And I was just like, I don't, I don't really, I'm not feeling it there, but there's, um, there's some real gems in there. Um, Mother of Many really had my eyes going wide, big time. It starts with um, pretty like stylized kind of like story opener thingy. You see like some farming gameplay. It looks like kind of you got like anthro my stuff, which is like, you know, it's not not really my thing. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, like it looked good. And then he fucking like slices someone's neck, like a, like another rat person's neck open with a scythe. And the game like explodes into a bullet hell. It's maybe the nuttiest trailer I've ever fucking seen. In years, like since like Death Stranding showed off like the like the World War like two combat. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been so confused and so enraptured what was uh, going on on screen. I think I said at the time it went from don't starve to devil daggers in about a second. Yeah, it was very old. Yeah, I have so many questions. I'm like, is is the bullet hell like a is it like one pillar of the gameplay? Is it like the end result of the gameplay? Do you just do a monotonous farming game until you get fucking sick of it? I'm so, I'm just, I'm so curious because like it opened with just like this unprompted rat murder. Uh it's a, uh, it's fucking wild though. Uh, I think you said you, uh, you know, one of the developers of um, a uh, fishing game that they showed off, right? Uh, Secrets under like affiliate or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've. I do spend some time in those communities and um yeah, the developer of that game, um, Bryce, uh yeah, sent me a build of their previous game which I sort of um tested and uh gave feedback on and stuff. So I, I, I was quite curious to see what their next thing was. Because their previous thing also involved very basic fishing, but it had fishing in it. So yeah, I was I was quite curious to see what that was. Um and yeah, it looked quite different. Which was one of the things I liked about this week three was that I think previously, um, and in the community in general, there's been a real focus on trying to rebuild PT from different developers. Yeah. I get why, and I know that it can kind of gather a lot of enthusiastic people about like being able to recreate something cool like that. But um a lot of it can be a bit too on the nose and it's felt a lot of the time that those games that they kind of become the thing that everyone's kind of striving for. So everything's always this first person pseudo walking sim where weird things will happen every time you sort of look away from something. And I think those things are fun. It's just in the past, it's felt a bit overbearing that that's, that's been the focus. Maybe that's just my perception of it, but uh, it felt this time that people were trying different things like that. You saw a couple of sort of platformers. There was that one Zelda like, that had bees in it or something. Yeah, that made me really uncomfortable. <laughs> I literally, I, I had notes for anything that was even mildly interesting. You know, like my first note would be that is like the legs make me uncomfortable. I was really confused what, what, what the opener really had to do with the rest of the game, but it was just, yeah, it looks cute. I don't know if I'd ever really play it, but like yeah, it looks yeah. cute. Uh, the legs make me uncomfortable. I don't know what to say. It's just. Same for me. I don't know if I play it, but I'm glad that it's being made. And I'm glad that <laughs> yeah. people are making different things. Yeah, there were quite a few games like that, which was nice to see. You know, people doing different things. You know what my favorite thing was is there was a lot of games where, like, like with Mother of Many, where I had questions. Where it's like I don't really feel <laughs> that with modern games anymore. I feel like 
if I'm sick of your game in like 10 seconds from like a Gamescom reveal, it's doomed. Like, I'm just like, I know what it is. It's a fucking, oh, it's a looter shooter. Oh, it's like yeah. a third person. What? I, I'm not, like, your game's not going to surprise me. Where, um, like, something like Scissors in Hell, where, like, you see, like, these weird, like, you see, like, 3D, like, I think fish or whatever, and, like, some other low-poly renders and things, and then suddenly there's, like, a bunch of crazy card game RPG yeah. stuff going on, and it stops. And I'm like, wait, 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 what is this game? I don't know what, what the fuck Gob is supposed to be, <laughs> but it's got so much meme power, everyone was just like, Gob, Gob, Gob in chat. And I was like, yeah, how can you not? Like, it's this weird, like, twitchy, like sonic the fish thing <laughs> like just walking around and i'm like i need i need more i need more of god <laughs> uh <laughs> what was another one there was like another game that was like really fucking with my head i'm uh oh yeah ghost lore where um i've, I've probably mentioned in previous podcasts i uh i actually don't play a lot of new games i play a lot of games for a lot of uh, a long period of time so like i've, I've been playing risk of rain too for an ungodly number of hours and i'm not gonna stop i'm not done with that game yet i got a <laughs> bunch of mods for it i'm still going so i see uh this game uh called ghost lore if i remember remember the name right uh where it looks like kind of like a top downy not not exactly top down but like that diablo kind of like look action rpg thing which is like my jam especially if it's like got a lot of deep stuff going on with it but the ui was giving me like anxiety and i couldn't tell if that was on purpose or not like there was so much shit on screen i'm just like what what am i looking at what is what is going on here yeah i remember that one that was a like a diablo like yeah yeah it had like kind of an anime aesthetic but then like the ui looked like it's i don't know very lo-fi and like a way i found kind of grating but (laughs) i I don't know maybe it's something i'll be able to sink into uh it's it's very interesting at the very least one thing you pointed out you were really interested in that I was kind of confused by was that future reality game? Yeah, just basically for the same reason that I was interested in uh, that sort of Zelda B game thing. Mm. Just because it was something different at the event and it, it means that community's sort of, you know, branching out into different things, which I think is a positive. Um, so that's a sort of Wipeout-esque, well, sort of Wipeout mixed with Afterburner. It looked like, it looked like there was a bit more going on than simply racing I, I couldn't really tell it was it was kind of a messy trailer the trailer was very strange i feel like i was interested in the game in spite of the <laughs> yes, trailer yeah, yeah. i don't understand why they put so much shit on screen i think they did like they must have done like a focus test to find the most unreadable font imaginable <laughs> i saw something mentioning like machine learning ai and i'm like wait is that like a joke or is that like real <laughs> i'm so <laughs> I don't know. I want you to sell me on your game, and I don't know if I'm sold on that game, but at least I'm interested. We're talking about it, so there's that, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess it's going to be a running theme through talking about E3 compared to other conventions. It's like there's games I want to talk about. There's games I want to look at. There's a lot of these games are getting demos, and yeah, we're probably going to try to do a stream like going through at least the stuff we found most interesting. Yeah, that'd be cool. Like Agent 64, that's another one that's got... Um, I think it has a demo, right? And it's yeah. coming with a... Um, built-in level editor and it's built like those old uh, uh like J- old james bond go- you know golden eye games time splitters you know kind of stuff where you don't have a crosshair and your gun kind of aims uh you know off center like you you know it, like you're 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 lining up your shot from where the gun is pointing rather than anything on the in the ui side of things and i'm, I'm curious how that feels with the mouse and keyboard because i've only ever played that on console i've tried it in um 
I've tried it in the Xbox uh, emulator. Uh, yeah, the Xbox 360 emulator for the uh, GoldenEye uh, remake. And it's, it seemed to be fine. I guess the difference being you're probably aiming a lot faster than you're usually used to and then fine-tuning on top of that. Kind of like, I don't know if you played any of the first-person games on the Wii. A little bit like that. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely interested. It's a, it's a, it's a shooting experience that's like very much gone out of the way. And it's kind of funny because it's like, there's no reason more games couldn't be like that. I wouldn't say it's a design flaw to not have like a crosshair, but it feels like people only do that when they're trying to make the game realistic. It's, I don't know. Um, I find it interesting because it's like when you take away, I, I think something is added when you take away perfect information sometimes where it's like, yeah, I agree completely. Even if the player, like, you know, the player would objectively be able to land those headshots more easily if you gave them that perfect information. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're supposed to. Yeah, I actually did this on um, uh, the Super 1-1 challenge. The game never had a crosshair because the weapon fires an actual projectile in an arc. So you couldn't really have a normal conventional crosshair. It would be pointless. It wouldn't actually tell you anything uh, useful. And I brought on Risto to help me with some of the AI stuff. And um, he actually put a fully working crosshair in that actually like sort of mapped exactly where the arc was going to go and everything. I was like, nope, don't want it in. <laughs> Take that out. <laughs> um, because it removed a lot from the game. It it made it feel instantly more about performance. And the game isn't about that. It's about having fun and messing around. Yeah. That perfect information made the game feel worse. Significantly in my eyes. Easy cut. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I do relate to that. Yeah, it makes sense. So that's how I'm going to solve my headshot problem in Inhuman, is I'm just going to take the crosshair out. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be perfect. I definitely won't get a lot of pushback on that. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah, speaking of uh, shooters, uh, we got Enchain, which has been, there's been like an early, early access version of that out for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sitting, I'm waiting for that game to be done, because it's just the kind of game I want to play when it's like totally done. But whoever is working on that, they... Get it. That's the kind of dude where it's like, there's there's always like kind of the meme in game development circles of what we call the idea guy, where it's like, there's like a dude where it's like they, they have no idea how to make a game. They've never really th- realistically thought through like game design stuff. They just know they have like an idea and they want someone to like make it for them, you know, especially like in mod communities. It's very, very common. It's like, oh, what if we did this? And what if we did that? And, you know, who, who's going to do it? Not them. Uh, and Chain feels like someone who like had a lot of ideas and they they did not give up they they were like no i'm actually gonna do this fucking game (laughs) i want to make this crazy ass game where you're like pulling yourself all around the level with this like grappling hook uh and all these different like mechanics you you can use to like kind of play into each other for like your movement and your momentum and stuff and it just it looks so crisp it's so smooth. Uh, there's there's no there's no guff. It's all it's all the game. Yeah, it was a highlight for me as well. Yeah, when that comes out, I am just I'm so ready to play it and throw as much money as as they need towards them. Yeah, it reminded me a little, not in gameplay, but it it reminded me in its like sort of quality compared to the rest of the stuff in the show to a previous year. Was it previous? I can't remember the name of the game now. The game where you're climbing with the two pickaxes. I know what you're talking about, but I also don't remember. Uh-oh. <laughs> I haven't um, picked that up yet. Um, I think it might be in early access, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was kind of a highlight for me in one of the previous ones. 
it, it sort of stood out like that did to me. It's what I'm looking for with these games where it's like, presumably if you're doing lower res stuff, it's easier to do than if you were trying to make a game that looks like Death Stranding or fucking The Last of Us, right? Like you're, you're, you're bashing out those assets a lot quicker. So when, when I see games like that, what I'm hoping for is a focus on like the feeling of the game. Like, yeah, is everything snappy? Is everything responsive? Uh, you know, it's like it, opposite of Mario and Unreal Engine. I want Mario on the Nintendo 64 where the first thing they focused on <laughs> was uh, how good it feels to get Mario moving around the level. And that is what this game looks like. It's just it's pure game feel, but in a good way. Where I was, I was talking in, in a prior podcast about how I feel like a lot of games, they get sold on juice. This game is not trying to sell itself on juice. It's not like, wow, look how amazing every single shot looks. It's more like Look how amazing our gameplay loop looks. And yeah. that's that's really different than just like, wow, look at all the sparks flying every single time you shoot the shotgun. I'm, I'm so I'm so enthusiastic about this game. Yeah, that's the side of the PlayStation 1 that I I don't think people should be taking, you know, going back in time to the way things used to feel. That's something we shouldn't do. Remember when things used to play like shit? Yeah, yeah, we shouldn't do that. We should take the aesthetics, sure, and maybe not the aesthetics in a pure fashion because <laughs> I think even that can go a bit too far. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, like bringing those older aesthetics to like newer feels and gameplay is a is a really good idea, and I think it's where the games show best. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple other like action driven games that also looked interesting. I wasn't as sure about them. We had a, I believe it was called Nowhere. Uh, apologies if I get any of these names wrong, because like a lot of these, a lot of these games have like odd names and often like weird font that like distracts the shit out of me. So I wouldn't be surprised if like one or two of these games, I'm getting the name wrong because it was like the subtitle or something, you know? Yeah. I think it was called Nowhere though, where it was like this very, very grimy looking PlayStation One looking game where you're like you're shooting like very odd looking cartoony enemies. Um, the vibe of it I wasn't so into, but the, the actual gameplay looked at least snappy. Um, we got Skull Chains, which also, that's a game I had big question marks over my head, where you're basically playing what looks like a, like a dude, maybe like just like a, a head or a skull with like another skull on like a chain. Yeah. And you like whip it around to like hit things that are coming towards you and you can like throw it and it'll like bounce around the level before you like catch it. So you can like use that to like kind of break through projectiles and stuff. And I, I found it interesting. It's another one of those games where it looks very much just built on, like, here's a simple, like, gameplay loop. And it's, like, very readable, very obvious, like, how the game should play. I'm very curious what the replayability and, like, depth of it is like. Because, I don't know, when I look at a ga- game like that, I hope it's striving for something like Downwell. Where, like, Downwell is a pretty simple game, but there's just, like, a lot of little wrinkles that, like... Yeah make it really fun to just keep jumping back into and trying out different things. And I'm, I'm kind of hoping for that here, but I'm not, I'm not so sure from what we saw. It looked a little like it had those extrinsic motivators that mm-hmm. Downwell has, like, you know, like when you get to the end of a well and you've got like the, the different upgrades to choose. Yeah. Um, there was clearly that in there, which is obviously sort of huge in the whole vampire survivors uh, genre thing right now. Yeah. But the problem is kind of inherent in a game like that is that it is almost entirely extrinsic motivation right everything like because the intrinsic motivation is not there the game doesn't isn't particularly fun or engaging to play on its own you 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 move your character around a map and avoid things like (laughs) it's the most basic type of game but all of the extra stuff that gets added on top makes it really really engaging like how engaging would you say sean would you say engaging enough to lose 
an entire day to <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah a day uh 50 hours i think it looks like they've got some of that stuff in there and i think the nice thing about that game is that that there's some physics stuff involved yeah. it just looks like it's a bit it's a bit more like engaging from a gameplay point of view so any of that other stuff on top would be good it felt good just to like watch it yeah. so i was like i gotta imagine playing it feels pretty good so that's something i'm definitely gonna be trying out i don't I remember if it's already at, if there's a demo out but if there is i'm definitely gonna try it if not i'm, I'm definitely keeping my eye on it um there was some interesting kind of more horror focused stuff like uh there was a um canine where i'm not really i wasn't totally sold on it but there was like this idea that like you're i think a child trying to find their dog or something and there's some kind of weird fucked up thing chasing you maybe the dog is the evil thing i don't know but (laughs) they mentioned how like you have all you really have to defend yourself is like a ball and they they show the player and it's it's all first person throwing this ball and it's got like physics on it stuff and i'm just like how far do they take that like do you distract the monster with the ball and then you need to retrieve the ball? Like, <laughs> is there a way to get the ball back without having to, like, walk up to it and pick it up? Like, I feel like these are fair questions. When you tell me all I get is a ball, I'm like, well, what can I do with that ball? What's up? What's going on with the ball? And it's like, you got me interested, but it's like a skeptical kind of interest. I'm like, you gotta, you gotta sell me on this. Um, there was, uh, there was, oh yeah, I believe, yeah, Techno Delirium looked really interesting. It's like, it looked like kind of a point and click game, uh, with, um, I, I'm not really sure what the hell the premise is, but it's like it's clearly not a normal world. Like there's like looks like the characters might be robots or corpses who are falling apart. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like you're swapping between I don't know timelines or dimensions or what. There's like a moment where a guy is like, "Oh, hey, you got me my legs back." <laughs> the uh, really harsh lighting. It looks like you're almost like a. I don't know if you're on a train or what. Yeah, but like very the. You know, lots of windows and very harsh lighting coming through it. Very interesting. Uh, Definitely going to be keeping an eye out for that. Yeah, it was one of many of the games that looked inspired by sort of... uh, I can't remember the name of the developer now, but the developer that made a game called Moon. It got re-released recently and not the Moon, the first-person horror game. Moon, the weird Japanese, like, sort of bizarre culture game. Uh, I don't even know what you call it. I can't remember the name of the company now, but uh, they made uh, Incredible Crisis as well. Very odd, very obscure. No one would have played these games at the time, really, especially in the West. It's, it seems like that, that sort of um, vibe has got into everything, include, you know, um, even like uh, that, that LSD game on the PlayStation. Just these very obscure old Japanese games seem to have inspired a hell of a lot of people at this uh, conference. Yeah, but you know, I think it's I think it's a good thing. I it, we're getting things that are interesting there. Yeah, yeah, you totally. know, very strange. Yeah, I don't know if I want to keep going down the list. We've already kind of like covered quite a few. I just have, I just get one last one out of the way is Loretta, which was a um, I think it's all sprite based, but it's like the art is definitely going for something like more serious. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that that looked quite cool. Trailer was definitely angling at something pretty creepy, like. If that trailer was for a movie, I would probably be interested. So I'm like, I'm, I'm curious how this will play out. Yeah, I instantly thought like you know, scratching that itch, that that Coen Brothers style itch. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. So yeah. why isn't this stuff in games yeah. much? Because it's hard to do and it's not gameplay, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I was quite interested by that one as well. Yeah, and um, the big one, which we've saved, I, I guess I don't know if I want to say the best, but my, the one I'm the most interested in, for last, and I think it's the most like full-fledged product here so like i'm not gonna hold the other ones like against it is uh 
Signalis, which is uh, it's my beloved. That this game, yeah, since like day one has had my interest, and I've I've played the demo on Steam. Uh, I've been following everything. I've kind of stopped watching the trailers because I don't want to get spoiled on too much. Uh, I am so ready for this game. I don't know if I can properly put it in words how ready I am for this game. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you want to like kind of get your thoughts out on it first because I'm probably going to ramble really bad on this game. It seems to be taking references from references I really like. I mean, really like and things that haven't really been used a ton. Um, that it's clearly Ava inspiration there. There's obviously Ghost in the Shell stuff, uh, even down to sort of a scene that is probably rotoscoped from that. Um, yeah, it's it's clearly using the, the right influences for me to be interested. So that that that's got me. And the perspective's cool. It's different, right? It's not another first person thing. Although first person's still my my favorite perspective. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of PT style things. It's interesting to see something that isn't that. Yeah, it, I, I'm I'm interested. I'll, I'll definitely be picking that up. Definitely. Yeah, you you bring up references, and I think that's a good point. I think what makes Silent Hill so fascinating is it's like. Uh, this very unique perspective on like Western media with like a Japanese lens on it, right? Yeah. Where they're 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 taking from like kind of very Lynchian stuff. They're taking from stuff like Jacob's Ladder. Like they were very inspired by a lot of these movies about like characters getting their head fucked with. And then they had like a really specific sound they were going for that was very inspired by like David Lynch films. And you know, just like a lot of stuff came together to make something really interesting. It's kind of the same way with like Star Wars. It's it's a weird yeah, yeah. mix of influences. And I think the problem with like the Sound Hill games made by the not original people, uh, I'm sure there's a better way to say that sentence, but we're moving forward. Uh, is uh, they reference Sound Hill. They're not like getting new references for like, oh, this is what's like inspiring how we're doing this presentation. They're just sort of like, well, we're doing Sound Hill and we're doing a more modern Sound Hill. And we keep getting these rumblings that there might be a Silent Hill game in development, and I, I just I don't know why I would be interested in it. It's just like you put a name on something and people get excited. But I'm telling you, if you really want more Silent Hill, Signalis is what you actually want. Yeah, because Signalis is this game where it's like it, it's definitely survival horror with um real survival horror elements, but it's definitely a little bit less hardcore than like a Resident Evil, at least from what I played, which is very Silent Hill. Silent Hill, you know, it's. If you fuck around, you can die, but, you know, it's meant to be a little bit easier to get around, a little bit easier to, you know, run past enemies, all that stuff. Yeah, you only get challenged on bosses, really, right? Yeah, the vibe is uh, very, very unique, and the 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 visual presentation is really not quite like anything else I've seen, where it's like, it's PlayStation 1-esque, but definitely not in a way that the PlayStation 1 ever would have pulled off. It's almost like an in-between. It's like, yeah. PlayStation 2 games would have looked better you know, like higher res assets and stuff, but they they were presenting things in a different way as well. It's- it reminded me a bit of like Galarians and um, Fear Effect as well from the PS1. Right. A lot of Fear Effect, actually. Yeah. Really cool blending of uh, how they present their 3D stuff, where it's like there's kind of the usual gameplay angle where it's like isometric and then it'll zoom in for certain... Yeah assets or for like certain story beats and it's it it makes you really like immersed in the location you're in uh and i just i love how weird and mysterious this like world is and it's like not just like the situation the character's in but it's like they've crafted like this strange kind of eastern european i forget they had they had a term for it where it's like it's not exactly just cyberpunk it's like there's something else you know kind of go like like soviet cyberpunk it's very strange 
uh, I'm 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 over the moon over this game. Uh, if it somehow ends up being really bad, uh, just know I'm really depressed <laughs> and in my room sad about it. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like a lock for me. Like there's just a, there's a zero percent chance I'm not pre-ordering this game and playing it like the instant it's out. Yeah, if if by some miracle the people who are working on this game actually listen to this podcast, just know that I love you. <laughs> I need I need you to keep making these experiences. Please, I'm begging you. For me, the easiest way to work out whether or not I really love something is whether or not I wish I was making it myself. And I wish I was making that. I wish I was involved in it somehow. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say, I guess, like, one big hope I have for this game, so I stop, like, fanboying out and get more of the game developer side, <laughs> is uh, I think there's a... What, what I really love about Old Silent Hill is the games... And this was just, like, a tone back in, back in the day. Games were a little bit more okay with, like, the abstract game nature being what you experience moment to moment. And, like, the the reality of the cutscenes being, like, decently divorced from that. Uh, and I probably even brought this up in, like, a prior episode. Yeah, yeah. But, like, there's there's definitely, like, a feeling when it's, like, a thing is happening to you in the game. And the game's not giving you any kind of special prompt. It's not telling you to press a button to make an a- animation happen. Your character isn't talking out loud. and ha- It's just you yourself are experiencing it and dealing with it. Even if it's just a little scripted moment. And I feel like modern games just like don't let that happen. It's like, no, we got to have a moment where you care. Like, oh, you're trapped in a room. Your character has to like go to the door and bang on it and be like, oh, let me out. It's like, let the player do that. And I really hope this game does that. I really hope the game has those moments where it's like something is weird or not right and it has the confidence to just keep you in control of that moment. If they can do that, ah, it's it's everything I need. It's everything I need. Yeah. Sean with no comment and leaving me out to dry there. Well, I agree. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's just it's uh it's what we need from games, I think. I think we need games to stop being embarrassed about themselves. And that's like it's something I kind of feel it happened in the last generation where it's like games really they want to look like a movie as much as possible. And I don't I don't just mean like cinematic or linear, but I mean like they always want the cleanest animations to be playing. They always want like the most appropriate like character model responses. They they refuse to let like a character move better at the sake of visual quality. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. Yeah, it's like I guarantee you like the way God of War plays now is because it's easier to have a serious looking game when you're not like double jumping and you know <laughs> doing all that yeah. other goofy, you know, original God of War stuff. And it's like, no, give me the goofiness back. I want to see my ammo on the ground floating around in a circle like it does in Metal Gear Solid 1. I want to see little, you know, pop-ups appear on screen that just seem to like exist in the game. I want to hear a character say the word action button. Like just <laughs> let games be what they are and not in, like, even like a cute meta way. Just let them just let them be a game. It's what I need. Just let me have my games that are games. And I think we can probably close on that. Yeah. Eek 3 forever. Um, Gamescom can get bent, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Peace, everybody.